today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Now, what do we know to be true about the devil? In Scripture, he is referred to as three things. The author of confusion, the father of lies, and the accuser of the brethren. I would submit that any time there is accusation, any time there is confusion, any time there are false lies, you know it's not the Lord. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. That's the fingerprints of the devil all over it. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Barag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Galatians. God's Word is not meant to be confusing or accusing. Today, Pastor J.D. warns us to be on guard against the lies and accusations of the enemy. He loves nothing more than to put doubt and confusion in our minds regarding our relationship with Christ. The more you spend time in the Word, the quicker you'll be able to spot deception when it comes. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Galatians chapter 5 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. When you love the Lord, you'll want to obey Him, live a life pleasing to Him, walk in obedience before Him. That's what is not burdensome. It becomes a get-to and not a got-to. This actually ties into our second question of verses 2 and 3, which is that of, does it put the onus on me? And this is usually what happens when there's this burden placed on you, and now all of a sudden something is required of you, and that brings into the discussion this whole false teaching of lordship salvation. Let me just explain it simply, again, in an abbreviated uh, way. What is lordship salvation? Lordship salvation teaches that you have to repent before you come to Christ. Wait, what? You mean I have to do something before I come to Christ? Yeah, you have to repent then come to Christ. I like how one said it. That's like suggesting that you need to clean yourself up before you take a bath. No. You come to Jesus just as you are. And aren't you thankful? (laughs) I know for me, I came to Christ. There was nothing I could do. There was nothing I could bring to the table, so to speak. You know, we talk about how, you know, we gave our lives to Christ. I gave my life to Christ. You know what the greater miracle is? Is that He accepted us when we came to Him and gave our lives to Him. You know, I get a kick out of some people that make it sound like God got a great deal when they came to Christ. You know, it's kind of like, wow, you know, so-and-so got saved. They're going to be mightily used in the kingdom. Well, that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise and the weak, the strong. So God's ways aren't our ways, but I know that when I came to Christ, I, I'm not proud of this, I, I hope you understand this, but I was addicted to drugs and alcohol and tobacco and all kinds of things, and, and I, I just came to Christ just as I was, and uh, He accepted me, and I never looked back. And I could just imagine the heavenly host saying to God, 
when I gave my life to Christ, don't take this one. This isn't a very good deal. (laughs) I wouldn't touch this one if I were you. Because what was I bringing? What was I bringing to the table of salvation? Nothing. I was bringing my, my sinfulness, my wretchedness. I came just as I was. And here's, here's the other thing with respect to this false teaching, which I pray that you will never be deceived by. When you come to Christ and you acknowledge that you're a sinner and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he was crucified, buried, and rose again, and you confess with your mouth, and you call upon the name of the Lord, is that not repentance? What is repentance? Repentance simply means a 180, an about face, a complete turnabout and change. Are we suggesting, do we have the audacity to suggest that we are the ones who change? No. God changes us for us instead of us by the power of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. That's the only way we could ever live a holy life, walking in obedience and pleasing and acceptable in the sight of the Lord. Now, I want to connect a dot here, so please stay with me. This explains why Paul says what he says. He says to them basically this, and he makes this very clear in no uncertain terms. He says, if they acquiesce to this legalistic requirement of circumcision, guess what? Christ is of no value to them. God forbid. That's blasphemy, right? Because you know what that says? What lordship salvation suggests? what regenerational baptism suggests, the common denominator being that the onus is on me, what it's saying is Jesus didn't have to come and do what he did. What? How do you get there? Well, wait a minute. Jesus became a man, fully God, fully man, and went to the cross and died for us instead of us, paying in full for all of our sins. And that's why he said, it is finished. There's nothing more we can do. We can't add to it. We can't bring anything to the table for it. It's finished. And Christ did it. And I can't take the credit for anything. And that is the epitome of pride. That is pride. It's spiritual pride, and that's the most dangerous pride, is spiritual pride. Well, this is what I call a textbook either-or scenario. And I'll explain what I mean by that. Either It's freedom in Christ or a yoke of slavery to the law. It cannot be both. It's either or. If it's the latter, if it's coming back under the law, then the onus of obligation and responsibility is on those under the law to obey the letter of the law. You're bound. You're no longer free. Forget Jesus setting you free, and whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You you have gone out from underneath grace and that freedom, 
and you have placed yourself back under the law in that yoke of slavery to the law, and now you're obligated to keep the whole law. How about that? (laughs) Here's the third question. It's in verse 4. This is a biggie. Does it distance me from Jesus? Here, Paul explains further that if they choose to be under the yoke of slavery again, they'll end up trying to be justified by the law. And in so doing, here's what's going to happen. They're going to be alienated from Christ. And he even takes it further and says, they'll fall from grace. Did you catch that? In other words, you, you want to subject yourself again to the yoke of slavery, to the law? Well, guess what happens? You're disenfranchising yourself from Jesus. You're distancing yourself. You're alienating yourself from Jesus. To me, this has to be one of the most, if not the most, telltale signs of whether or not something or someone is of God or not. And I mean this across the board, whether it's music I listen to, movies I watch, things I do, relationships I have. The question I have to ask myself, the litmus test is, does this, do they draw me nearer to the Lord? Or do they create a distance between me and the Lord? And that's the litmus test to know whether or not it's of the Lord. I mean, surely, if it's of the Lord, it will draw me near to the Lord. And conversely, if it's not the Lord, it's going to distance me from the Lord. This brings us to the fourth question, which is, does it cause me to stumble? In verses 5 through 8, Paul asks them this rhetorical question of, who cut in on you? Who kept you from obeying the truth and running the race? And he uses this analogy, this metaphor, and he says, you were running so well. You were running the race we call the Christian life. And your eyes were on the prize and you were running to win. You were in it to win it. What happened? And he says, who, who got in in front of you? Who cut you off? Who got into your lane? Who tripped you up? Who slowed you down? Who stumbled you? Who is causing you to fall? I tell you, (laughs) this is how it always ends. With any Judaizer, any legalist, it will always end in stumbling you and causing you to fall in the end. I shared this story when I was just a new believer. This is many, many, many years ago in a land far, far away. (laughs) It was during the summer and I was reading the Bible through for the first time and I went to the park and I was reading my Bible and up walks this guy and he says, oh, I see you're reading your Bible. I said, yeah. He said, oh, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, man, I was just so on fire for the Lord. I had no theology. I had no biblical understanding. All I knew is Jesus was real. (laughs) And what I just experienced was real, and that Jesus was changing me from the inside out and the power of the Holy Spirit, and that I was a new creation. And I just couldn't stop talking about how much I love Jesus and how much I love the Word of God. And he said, well, have you ever been baptized with the Holy Spirit? as evidenced by the speaking in tongues? I was like, tongues? 
hadn't even got to that part yet. I'm like, what, what are you talking about, tongues? I, I have a tongue. Well, what do you mean tongues? So he goes on and proceeds to tell me that in order to be really saved, to really know that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have to speak in tongues. Oh, that messed me up. That brought me down. I actually went back to my place and started questioning whether or not I was really saved. It really stumbled me. All of a sudden I'm reading the Word. It's different. My prayer life is affected. It's different. Is what he's saying true? And then they're so clever. They're so clever. They'll take you through the book of Acts and they'll say, you see, tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit, tongues, baptism of the Holy Spirit, tongues, baptism. It wasn't until later that I realized that in the book of Acts, there's five times where hands are laid on somebody, and only three of those five times is there any mention of any speaking in an unknown tongue. But the point is, is that it really stumbled me. It really stumbled me. And this is why verse 8 catches my attention. He says, this kind of persuasion, and it's very persuasive, isn't it? does not come from God who chooses and calls us. That's not of God. If it's going to stumble me, if it's going to cause me to stumble or fall, it's not of the Lord. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, this is a familiar verse, and I think apropos to this discussion, the Apostle Paul says, all things are lawful for me, and they are. But all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. So we want to be very careful about whether or not we're going to stumble somebody in our freedom that we have in Christ. And this is what the Apostle Paul is addressing here. I would really encourage you, if you want, we did this uh, a very in-depth study of this when we were in 1 Corinthians, as we went through both 1 and 2 Corinthians. But let's get to our last question here in verses 9 through 12. And this too is a, a biggie. It's, does it create confusion? Now what do we know to be true about the devil? In Scripture, he is referred to as three things. The author of confusion, the father of lies, and the accuser of the brethren. I would submit that any time there is accusation, any time there is confusion, any time there are false lies, you know it's not the Lord. That's the enemy. That's the enemy. That's the fingerprints of the devil all over it. Now here, Paul, <laughs> we love this about Paul, right? He cuts to the chase and tells them that he wishes those preaching circumcision would <laughs> go all the way. I'm not going to get, get into this, uh, but that they would go all the way and emasculate themselves. You know what that means, right? Okay, enough said. Why is he so blunt? Oh, because of the analogy that he uses after he says that, about how that just a little bit, allowed to spread through and work through just a little bit of yeast, a type of sin, by the way, 
in this context, a type of false teaching, you allow just a little pamphlet to work its way through the church, some false teaching, little little yeast, ah, it's just it's no big deal. No, 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 no. It'll spread throughout the whole dough. It'll spread throughout the whole church. You know, when you go to a doctor and you're on the receiving end of a devastating diagnosis of cancer, what does the doctor say? We're going to have to get in there and cut that out before it spreads. That's what Paul's saying here. Here's the thing. (laughs) I've heard it said this way. You need to deal mercilessly with sin before sin deals mercilessly with you, and it will. It will. It's just a matter of time. That's why, and I love the leadership of this church, we are so protective of this flock. If anybody comes in and they have anything like this, as little as it might seem, we don't overlook it. Again, we do what Titus says. We warn them once, warn them twice, third time, have nothing to do with them. This is why. Well, that's not very loving. Are you kidding me? You don't think Paul loves these Galatian Christians? He is literally begging them to come to their senses before it's too late. He's pleading with them, deal with this before it spreads and destroys the churches there in Galatia. This is what love is. This is the love that says, we've got to get rid of this before it destroys you. We've got to get this cut out and removed completely before it spreads. I love how that Paul communicates his confidence in the Lord. This is how I want to close. He says that he's confident in the Lord that they're going to come to their senses. They're going to take no other view. But then he goes on to say this, which is really encouraging. He says, you know, those who are confusing you and doing this to you and spreading this leaven amongst you throughout the churches there, whoever they are, (laughs) yeah, don't worry. God's going to have the final word. God in the end is going to have the final word. They're going to pay. Oh, they're going to pay. They're not going to get away with it. Can you imagine how that must have encouraged those churches in Galatia? I want to close with Psalm 73. I would really encourage you to read this psalm in its entirety. I'm just going to read verses 16 through 18. But let me kind of set the stage here. The psalmist is really struggling because it seems that evil is prospering. Those who do evil are getting away with it. And he's just coming to the end of himself and he's even sort of asking God, why are you letting them get away with it? He's having a crisis of faith. He cannot get his mind around how it is that evil is allowed to continue and prosper. And he even goes as far as saying, I've been righteous in vain. What's the point? I've cleansed and purified my hands and my heart. For what? I mean, evil goes unchecked with impunity, and here I am, I'm walking righteously, and I'm not blessed. They seem to be blessed. That's not fair. That's not right. 
And it's almost like he's about to give up hope. And then he comes to his senses. Now I share this because maybe you're here today and you've been on the receiving end of false accusations and it's spread throughout your workplace, throughout your family. And it's really caused a lot of pain and suffering and it's just destroying you. Well, I have this encouraging word for you out of Psalm 73. Listen to verses 16 through 18. He says, when I tried to understand all this, it troubled me deeply until, until I entered the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their final destiny. Ah, by the way, that's a good place to go when you're weary and well-doing and evil prospers. Get into the sanctuary of God, whatever that is for you. Time in the Word, time in prayer, time with the Lord, a sanctuary, just you and the Lord, and let Him minister to you and encourage and strengthen your heart. So he goes into the sanctuary of God, and that's when he finally understands. And listen to what he says. Surely you, God, place them on slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin. They're not going to get away with it. God's going to have the final word. It might seem like it right now. The Judaizer in your life has gone through and wreaked havoc in your life, and it seems like he's prospering and getting away with it, you just wait. You just wait. And by the way, I can't wait. And I say this on a global scale. I've shared this before, and I'll I'll just end with this. Please hear my heart. I, I don't want you to get the wrong impression. I can't wait until every knee bows and Every tongue confesses that Jesus Christ is Lord, and they will. They will. In the end, they will. You look at what's going on in the world right now, and it's like, God, God, how how can this continue? And it's getting worse. How can this continue? Well, there's coming a day soon, and very soon, I believe, where God's going to have the final word. And that knee, that evil knee, that evil tongue is going to bow and confess. And I can't wait. We're so glad you joined us today for Pastor J.D.'s continuing teaching in the book of Galatians. If you'd like to learn more about the Apostle Paul's letter, we encourage you to continue reading ahead. As you do, ask God to reveal the truths and promises contained in its verses to you. He will point you to the passages that he knows you need to read. You can also hear additional messages from Pastor J.D. on this book by visiting our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. Listen online or download these teachings to have available anytime. We've created a mobile app as well for Apple and Android devices, so you'll be able to take Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you on the go. We'd also like to tell you more about the Mideast Prophecy Update tab on our website. As followers of Jesus Christ, we're all eagerly anticipating His return to earth. 
We believe it's coming soon and that many events happening around the world right now are fulfilling the prophecies of the end times detailed in the Bible. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes a look at these events and what God's Word has to say about them and shares that information with us in the Mideast Prophecy Update. The purpose of these updates aren't to scare us, but to remind us how important it is that everyone know the redeeming hope of Jesus. These updates are new every week, so visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com to access the latest installments. That's all we have for today, but be sure to join us next time on In Spirit and Truth for more from the book of Galatians. Keeping me right with the old way, holding me true.